Welcome to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and you're listening to episode number nine. I'm going to be talking with J. David Kaur, author and podcaster. Dave, thank you for coming on the show. Can you please uh, kick things off here by telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I live in Ohio, twice divorced. I have three kids, uh, two grandkids. I've been writing since high school but and, and publishing off and on since high school, but I've only really started focusing on writing the last couple of years ever since like Kindle made it really easy. I also blog, uh, review other people's books, focusing a lot on, uh, on the indie movement uh, ever since I first found out about it a couple of years ago. And are those are usually focusing on thrillers or is that all type of genres? I have a broad definition of thriller where I basically anything that has a suspense attitude towards it. My person my personal preference is towards mysteries and noir. But um, uh, like uh, in my blog and not, and on my podcast, I have uh, people that have written horror, uh, um, sci-fi, fantasy. Uh, as long as it has a thriller suspense element to it. Yeah, and it's amazing I, what a big bucket that the thriller is. It really has a lot of uh, a lot of different type of uh, genres within the thriller, quote unquote, thriller category. Yeah. And so, what interested you towards thrillers? My my father was a prolific reader. He he only had one eye, and he would still read two three books a night. He would go to the library and come home with a handful of books, and he'd go back the next day and get another handful of books. And so he got me interested in reading in general. And he liked he liked a lot of things. He liked poetry and he liked you know, histories and things like that. But his he really liked uh, crime fiction. Get excited about crime fiction, and uh, um, it just kind of rubbed off on me that way. My interest was initially um, science fiction. As a kid growing up, I was a big Star Trek geek, and then I liked the Star Wars movies, and you know, uh, and I love st- uh, time travel, all that stuff. I was big, in- big into science fiction for a long time. And then my dad, when he got when he got sick, he asked me to uh, read to him some Nero Wolf and some. Uh, uh, W.E.B. Griffith and things like that, and all of a sudden I wasn't interested in science fiction anymore. I mean, I still like science fiction, but it just it, it, something about it just grabbed me and made me want to just be involved in in thrillers. So I quit writing science fiction and started focusing more on on thrillers at that time. And so those are some of the, your, your early influences then, uh, W.E.B. Griffith and those type of uh, of writers. Yeah, W. Well, W.E.B. Griffith, uh, uh, um, uh, John John D. McDonald. Robert Parker, Chandler, um, uh, uh, you know, j- yeah, just a lot of the classic writers that uh, wrote in uh, different um, different kinds of genres, but they were all they were all thriller, and uh, and then and then on my own I found um, James Patterson because my dad was never into Patterson, and uh, Michael Crichton, and uh, a bunch of other writers like that that I started reading on my own. But my 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 love my my deepest love is for um, Rex Dow and the Nero Wolf books. I I just when I started reading those, I couldn't put them down. They was, they, I read the whole series, like book to book to book. They're just they're my all-time favorite. Check those out. I haven't I haven't read those uh, those books. Well, um, Nero Wolf Rex Dow uh, wrote uh, Nero Wolf from the 1930s through the 1970s. So there's 40 years worth of mystery novels. What Rex Dow did was he took his favorite writer Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes series, and he did what they call pastiche where you uh, take the elements of it and then you tweak those elements and you create something new from it. Like if you read the first Nero Wolf book, somebody once said of the first Nero Wolf book that it was like a fully formed family. And the reason for that is because everything he did was fully formed. It was already in the Conan Doyle books. So he just 
tweaked it. But he did it in such a way that it feels like a totally different new, a different animal. Like for example, um, uh, Sherlock Holmes was kind of a, um, I don't want to say sociopath, but he didn't have any. He was kind of pathological in that in that way. Rex Stout tweaked that and made Nero Wolf a misogynist. So he hates women, just just hates women, which is not something that was true of Sherlock Holmes, but it's the same idea. Sherlock Holmes was his house was a character in the book, and it was a it was you know two twenty two B Baker Street. Nero Wolf's house is a uh, brownstone in Manhattan, and it's like a character in the book. So everything that that they had uh, in the in the stories that were Sherlock Holmes got translated into one way or another into the Nero Wolf story. Now that you're doing all these, you know, you're writing and, and, and podcasting and everything else, do you still find time to read? And do you still primarily read thrillers? I do read some, uh, not as much as I would like to. And I hate to say this because part of, part of the reason that I don't read as much as I would like to is because I started doing reviews. And I would review other, other um, writers' books. And every once in a while, I'll get a book to read that excites me. And, I, and I'll, I'll read it and, I'll, and, the, and it'll be like a, a, new, a new indie author and it's great. But a lot of the indie authors, I find that their book doesn't live up to the, the hype when they, when they sent me the, you know, the request. And so um, I, it, it slows down my reading. Whereas if I was just picking my own stuff, um, I, I wouldn't feel obligated to finish a book I don't like. But because I'm reading it for somebody and writing a review, and I don't, I don't let the fact that I don't necessarily like it necessarily give mean I'm going to give them a bad review. Because, like for example, right now I've been reading for a long time, trying to get through a a book that you call it cyberpunk, and it's not a genre that I would normally read, and I'm not enjoying it. But I can tell it's good cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, that uh, that's one genre that I I don't understand some of the genres either. But obviously, I'm not their target audience either. But I know that cyberpunk is very popular. I like Stig Larson, so I figured I would like this, but it, it doesn't hold up. Stig Larson, I read the first one. I haven't read the other two, but that first one was a lot more... Uh, the book was so popular that when I read it, I was surprised how brutal it was. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I was expecting, I don't know, I was expecting something a little fluffy because it was so popular. And when I read it, I was like, whoa. <laughs> so what inspired you to write your first book? My first book, actually, the first thing I wrote, if you want to call it my first book, was when I was in high school. My dad came home from the library with a book. He, I had just read Cat, Catcher in the Rye. And my dad came home with this book, and he said, you're going to love this book. It's so much like Catcher in the Rye, but it's better. And he gave me this book that no one's ever heard of. It's a very rare book, and if you get a chance to read it, I really recommend it. It's called The Quartzite Trip. So I read The Quartzite Trip, and I thought, well, this is just so good. I want to emulate this book. So I tried to write a book in the style of The Quartzite Trip. And I'd also read a book called uh, that, that he had suggested to me that was called even – Something about Catholics. It, it was we were raised Catholic, so he he thought this book would be funny, and I would enjoy it. And it, it was really funny, and it was along the lines of um, uh, a Christmas story. You know, yep. the one that you see every every year on that they run every year yeah. that movie, uh, which is based on a book called um, "In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash." So this book was similar to that, and it was funny. And but the two ideas of the quartzite trip and this other book, this Catholic, um, do, back, do black patent leather shoes really reflect up? Was what it was called. <laughs> and um, it was really funny. So these two books were like germinating in my head, and I, so I tried to write a novel about a, a a priest who's losing his faith and make it funny and also intriguing. And uh, and and it, it, it was it's a it's a terrible book. It'll never see the light of day. So, <laughs> so that was my first book, but. I enjoyed writing it so much that I decided I would try again and again. And it's, 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 so it was, it was where, like, you know, so if somebody has, like, an interest in the piano or the guitar, they just practice and practice and practice until they get good at it. That's what I did with writing. I, try, I just practiced and practiced and practiced until I got good at it because it was something that I had an interest in from the beginning. And it just, so I just let it continue. 
And then where do you usually get your ideas for your for your stories? A lot of times my ideas come from I'll see a movie or I'll read a book or uh, or I'll hear a story on the news and I'll think I know where the story's going and then it doesn't go where I thought it was going and then <laughs> and I'll think but that was a good story. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I'll, I'll write it. Other times, I'll, I'll just I'll, I've actually got quite a few stories that I got from dreams where I was uh, I just woke up from a dream, and the 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 story in the dream was compelling enough that I turned it into a story. The my of course like anybody's dreams, my dreams don't make any sense, but there's enough of a germ there to turn it into a story. Like the first uh, mystery novel in my series came from a dream. I dreamt that I was visiting a priest and he had this compact sitting on his desk and he excused himself to go take a call or something. And I picked up the compact and I opened it up and I started like examining it. And he comes running into the room, panicked, telling me to put it down. Um, It's anointing oil that he has poisoned so that when he's doing last rites and he anoints people, he can put them out of their misery. And so, that was a dream? Yeah, that was a dream. (laughs) And so I woke up and thought, that is a great idea for a book. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty pretty cool. (laughs) Was that, is that Extreme Unction? Is that your first, is that the Extreme Unction? That's the Lupa. Extreme Unction is the first novel in my my mystery series. And um, Extreme Unction is the Catholic term, the the Latin term for for last rites. Oh, I was raised Catholic too. I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, it means, it means, it means final oil. Oh, okay. Um, Extreme unction. So, but what I did with the book was, I turned a character in the story, this priest. I made him very, you know, the, you know the term unctuous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I made him very unctuous, so that there's a like a double meaning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good, good tie into the title. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and how many books do you have in that series? Right now there are five. I'm working on the sixth. My those those books in that series are actually they're also they're pastiche of of Nero Wolf. I took everything from the Nero Wolf series and tweaked it and turned it into Lupus Schwartz and uh, his uh, his biographer Catlia Hoskin. Nero Wolf, the name Nero Wolf, for example, a Roman a Roman emperor, but in the books he's from Montenegro, and he says in the books that he wasn't named for a emperor; he was named for a mountain, and so he's saying that he was named for Montenegro. So Nero means black in the book, right? So uh, Black Wolf would be his name. And so my character, Lupa Schwartz, Lupa means she-wolf, and Schwartz means black. So it's the same thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I was wondering where you got that name from, because it's very unique. <laughs> and then, like, for example, like his, the houses, like I was saying, the houses in, in the Sherlock Holmes and Nero Wolf are um, characters. So I put him in a Queen Anne house. At the top of a hill, and so I described the house a lot in the books and made it like a character. In the in the Nero Wolf books, he has that there's there's four people that live in the house. There's uh, Nero Wolf and Archie Goodwin, who's his like gopher, and then there's Fritz Brenner, the cook, and uh, Theo Horseman, the person that helps him with his orchids because he collects orchids. And so I had four people living in my guy's house. Nero Wolf's a misogynist, so my guy's a lady killer. I switched that around. I made that. I took that backwards. So all of all of the people that live in their house with him are women. Um, so you know, I, so I, I took the whole everything, all the ideas from the Nero Wolf stories. I I tweaked it and turned it into my own thing, so that I was able to start with the same kind of fully formed 
I, you know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to try and figure out what things were. They were already just like built in to the story, to the background. And you said, uh, and these take place in uh, Pittsburgh? These take place in Pittsburgh. They're all set in, they're all set in and around Pittsburgh. Some of them set, there's some stories that go to West Virginia and some stories that go to Ohio because it's, it's set in the tri-state area there. Yeah, for the most part, the stories are, are set in Pittsburgh. And I used to, I went to art, I went to art institute in Pittsburgh. So I'm familiar with the town. I lived there for a couple years. So I'm familiar with the layout and, and the problems with the traffic and all that stuff. So that all plays into the stories too. Yeah, you you find that uh, it's uh, when you're writing and you're familiar with the uh, area that makes does that make the writing a little bit easier, or do you get kind of stressed out because you want to make sure it's accurate? Or no, I actually find that I find that it makes things easier because if I I have tr- I have tried writing before in like totally fictional towns, and I'm always worried when I do that that I'm going to do something geographic and conflicting. So, like for example, I'll have um, water maybe uh, you know coming uh, like a creek somewhere, and then put uh, a uh, you know a, a water treatment plant too close to downtown or whatever. You know, I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> but if I'm dealing with an actual town, I don't have to worry about that. It's all it's all set up. I prefer to do that my, myself too. It's would be too hard to create a whole town from scratch. <laughs> yeah, and you have to draw maps yeah. so that you don't get confused and you know. Yeah, and kind of like what you said too, like your the house and the the city kind of becomes like an extra character in the book, so it makes it more compelling. Yeah, I was actually I was a friend of mine, another writer was being interviewed on uh, by somebody one time, and he, and they and he mentioned that uh, he had read one of my stories and that the town um, that, that he had been to Pittsburgh before and that I, he, he could he felt like he was there again. So apparently I captured it. Oh, that's the best. Well yeah, that's one of the best compliments you could get. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find like television and like pop culture and things like that influence your writing or, or do you try to avoid that? Yeah, they definitely do. Mm-hmm. I'll be publishing a, my first uh, noir collection. It's, it's called Eight Tales of Noir. Several, it's eight, eight stories. Six of them are short stories and two of them are novellas. And I'll be, I'll be publishing that in November. And um, uh, several of the stories were inspired by I was watching Breaking Bad. <laughs> Great show. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and um, uh, again, it would be something where I thought the story was going to go here, but it didn't go here. It went there, so I took my place where I thought it would go. So definitely, popular culture does influence me a lot. Another another case another case I was listening to an audio book one time, and uh, the uh, there was a story in the audio book about um, a guy who uh, kills a coworker and then takes him down the river to get rid of the body. When he throws the body into the river, he ties the body all up. And when he throws the body in the river, he didn't realize that he tied his shoe into the rope. And so he gets dragged down with the body. And uh, so, but I'm listening to that story and I thought that was a good story, but it, uh, it, it could have gone much longer. And, and uh, there's, a better, there, I, there's a better way to dispose of the body. That's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking of as I'm writing it or as I'm hearing it. So I decided to write that story. So, so I have a story about a guy trying to get rid of a. But that, that's that's a common theme. But it, it came about because I was um, listening to that story. So yeah, that's, pop, yeah, that's pop a bit, culture. Yeah, that's a good idea. I never thought about that before. But if you're watching a movie or reading a book or something, and you think it should go that way, why not write it down and maybe take it yeah. take it that direction? That's pretty cool. Exactly. One of one of my stories. Have you ever seen, have you seen a, a walk amongst the tombstones? Oh yes, love that. I I love the book and the, and, and I enjoyed the movie as well. Okay, so you remember, uh, hopefully the audience is familiar enough with it that this will make sense to them. There's a scene in the movie, and spoiler alert if you have <laughs> there's a scene where he meets kidnappers face-to-face mm-hmm. in the, to, to do an exchange. Right. 
in the middle of the cemetery. The way that he gets them to meet him, I thought was genius. But then once he gets them there, he blows like a perfect opportunity. And, the, and then the, and, but it built, it, it, it leads to the conclusion in the story. But I thought that there were things that he could have done in the cemetery to win right then and there. And so I wrote a story based on that. I don't, I don't set it in the cemetery. So it's, it's not the same story at all. Basically mine's about a story about a guy that gets a, uh, a guy that gets a call that his wife has been kidnapped. And so he convinces the kidnappers to, that instead of doing a drop, he wants to do a face to face exchange. And then he, and then he, uh, sets up this uh, elaborate way to do the exchange and it helps him to get his wife back and kill the kidnappers. So, uh, so that's one of the stories, but yeah, that came from watching a walk amongst the tombstones. What are the challenges that you that you find when you're writing? Uh, you do a lot of research. Uh, do you ever have like writer's block? What are some of your challenges? Yeah, I get I I do a lot of research depending on the story. Like that story that I just was mentioning, the the kidnapper story. You're on keyboards, and I'm on keyboards. For anybody who doesn't know what keyboards is, it's a writer's. Well, it's it's a it's for Kindle, but there's a there's a, a special section of keyboards that's just writers where we all just get together and talk craft and stuff I, po- I i couldn't figure out how to how to build a bomb that i needed to build for it and so i did a post on there and i got all kind of valuable information for people on that when i when i wrote extreme unction i had to come up with a with a poison to use i had to, i needed i needed a specific poison and there were like certain qualities that i wanted from the poison so i did a lot of research and i finally came up with this insecticide called chlordane that was banned in the mid-70s because it was causing old people and children who came in contact with it to go into convulsions. So it, per- it was perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, but I had to research the heck out of it in order to find it. A writer's computer searches is, could probably get us in a lot of trouble if uh, out of context. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I, I one of my one of my stories involves bounty hunter, who is taking a uh, pedophile into jail. That he's he, he, you know he's bringing him back because he's a bail, a bail jumper, and um, uh, and and, this, and it's about a conversation that they're having in the car on the way. And so I have the pedophile making excuses for himself, and so I had to. Because I'm not a pedophile, I had to do all this research to find out. What would make a pedophile think it's okay to do what he does? And so, like, he he goes on this. He starts. He, got, he like gives the history of the age, the uh, age of consent and how in certain cultures it's this and in other cultures it's. So I had to look all that up. So it looks like I'm looking up like for a visit to Thailand or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might want to clear the cache of your uh, computer yeah. on that one. <laughs> What's a day for you when you when you when you're getting re- down to write? Well, I don't write every day. Um, I, I'm, I'm not one of those people who feels like um, – I, 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 I have a lot of books out, but that's because I just recently started publishing. And it actually, I've been writing them for 15, 20 years. So I don't write every day. It looks like I do because I come out with a book every six months. But a lot of these are books that I've already written that I'm just – once I get one out, then I start vetting the other one. I start sending it to beta readers and I start sending it to – um, uh, reviewers and you know arcs get arcs out and so on. So I have to do all that pre stuff. Um, so it looks like I'm coming out with a book every couple of months. But these are books that I've been writing for years. A typical writing day uh, when I'm when I'm actually writing because I'll, I'll I do I do write every day in one way or another. But a lot of it is either blog posts or just uh, like a lot of uh, an elaborate comment on Facebook 
So I get, but I consider that all craft, mm-hmm. you know. It's all practicing, right? You're writing, so it's all yeah. practice. Yeah, but um, when I actually am writing, because a lot of my stuff is so research intensive, I'll, I'll have like uh, four or five windows open on the computer, and and my Word file, and um, uh, I'll wait until everybody in the house is asleep, because I don't like to write when there's the possibility that anybody needs to talk to me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> wait until everybody's asleep, and then I'll sit down and just start writing for two or three hours and a lot and that time goes fast all of a sudden it'll be three o'clock in the morning i didn't realize it was that late but um yes yeah, so I'll, i can pound it out like um three four thousand words now i did do a couple of novels for NaNoWriMo and, and when i did those what i did was i spent a couple of months leading up to in case anybody's not aware of that should I, we should probably clarify what that is national novel writing month is november and there's a website where a bunch of authors get together and kind of uh, support each other uh, for November uh, to write a novel. And you want to write 50,000 words in November is the, uh, is the goal. So, um, But what I'll do is I'll for the months leading up to that, I'll do all my research and outlining. And then um, I figure out how many words I need to write, write every day. And so uh, some days I'll write over that target so that it gives me a day off. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's how, I, that's how I do NaNoWriMo. And I've done it twice. I won't be doing it again for a while. Oh, I was just going to ask you, did it this year? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, that, so that's, that's how I write, though. My, that's, that's my, um, like a lot of times, when I'm writing a novel normally, um, I'll write a, you know, a couple thousand words, and then I won't write anything for several days. Because one thing that I find is that um, going back and reading over what I've written helps me to, if, I, if, I, if I write something and then the next day I pick up where I left off, I find it kind of disjointed. But if I write it and then walk away from it and come back and read it and then start writing again from where I was, where I was, I'm, re- I'm almost reading it fresh because it's not. I don't. I'm not remembering exactly what I wrote, so I'm I'm getting a new feel for it and I'm getting back into that vibe and I'm able to go on from it from there. But if I try to um, uh, write without reading what I've written, then I'm always. I always feel like like um, you know it, it's. Like it's almost like somebody else writing the next part of the story. I, I, I've lost this. I've lost the flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You get you're you're getting in the zone. Yeah, I get in a different, and it's a different zone every time. So, what are you working on now? Are you still are you writing the same series? Are you working on other? The Noir book that I'm that I'm putting out. Six of the stories in it were episodes of my podcast, and so I wrote those. I wasn't sure if I was going to get enough submissions for the podcast, but my, the podcast is um, me reading other writers and my and my short fiction, and it's all thrillers. It's called a thriller and mystery uh, podcast. I wasn't sure if I was going to get enough submissions, so I wrote six stories for it, and so now and then I had I had two other older stories, two novellas that uh, were also noir. They're all all the stories are noir, and so I'm putting out this book in November that's called Eight, Eight Tales of Noir. I'm still working on the podcast. I'm 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 trying to come up with new ideas for stories for the podcast to fill the holes. Uh, at the same time, I'm writing the sixth book in my mystery series. Which, when I came up with the idea for the mystery series, I had an, I had ideas. I had, I immediately came up with ideas for five books, and then and then nothing. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm now writing the sixth book, which is where I'm out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> the first story that I'm writing that I'm writing now. Uh, oh, actually, I actually did write the first story in there. I wrote the first story in there um, is called uh, Testify, 
and it it's a uh, on it's available for free on my website if you want to read that first story for the sixth novel that's coming out when the novel actually comes out it won't be available for free on the website anymore so for now if anybody goes to my website which you can get to through um, tinyurl.com slash lupa landing l-u-p-a landing one word um, yeah uh, you'll see a block for on the in the in the uh, in the right hand um, what do they call that oh the, the sidebar the panel on the side. yeah sidebar, sidebar. Yeah. Yeah, there's a sidebar picture and a, a link to testify. So the whole novella, 12 chapters, is available for free. And that's going to be the first story in the sixth novel. Because uh, the sixth novel is actually going to be three short stories, three novellas, which is something that Nero Wolf, uh, Rex Stout used to do with Nero Wolf. He used to write novels and and collections of novellas. So there would be, like, Troubles in Triplicate is a Nero Wolf novel, but it's actually three novellas. So I've, I've, I've carried on that tradition. The third novel in my series, which is called Fair Play, is actually three novellas. And then the sixth novel is going to be three novellas. And then if I continue with the series, the ninth novel, novel will be three novellas. And then, so, there's going to be, like, two novels, novella, two, uh, two novels, and then three novellas, and then two novels, and then three novellas. Um, so, uh, that's where I that's where I am right now. So I'm still I'm writing that. I'm in the second I'm in the middle of the second story, which is came from an idea from uh, a friend of mine. It's about something that actually happened to somebody, and that's as far as I can say without opening myself up to possible legal action. <laughs> All right, you want to do that? And then the third story in there is going to be based around one of the uh, peripheral characters in the novel. It's not going to be it's not actually going to be a story featuring my detective. And the reason I do that is because Rex Stout did that too. He had a he had a de- detective detective Kramer in all the Nero Wolf stories uh, is always being defeated by Nero Wolf. He's he's like he, he's going to solve the crime, but Nero Wolf gets it first. And so uh, Rex Stout was getting a lot of criticism from the police. So, <laughs> so for having this, you know, dumb dumb cop. And uh, so he actually wrote a novel for Kramer, uh, where Kramer solves the mystery. And it's not a very popular novel. It's not a very good novel. <laughs> but, <laughs> Kramer but because got his he did that, I decided I would do that, and I would have peripheral characters have their own stories. Your podcast sounds so fascinating because uh, it's very unique. Uh, you actually then, like you, you mentioned earlier, you actually are reading other author's stories, your own stories. Uh, can you tell us more, a little bit more about your podcast? Well, what, what that, the way that came about was born of failure. <laughs> I had an idea. I had an idea for a website where um, uh, writers would um, submit a third of a story, and readers would look over the story and say, "I like this about it, but I don't like this about it, and this and that and that." And then the author would have a chance to fix the story based on what they had read so far, and then submit two thirds of the story into a contest to get into an anthology. And then the, the, the stories that the readers like, the nine or ten stories that the readers like the best, would go into an anthology, the whole story. So it would basically be um, they would read a third of it uh, as a reader. A reader would read a third of it and say, um, you know, why don't you fix this and this and this. And then they would come back and they would say, oh, well, here's a little bit bigger piece of it. Oh, I like this. I want to see where this one goes. I don't really care where this one's going. And then they would vote for the ones that they wanted to see finished. And the ones that got the most votes would go into an anthology. So it was basically a way – the idea was it was a way for – Readers to find new writers and writers to find new readers. But it, it just died on the vine. Nobody was interested. I couldn't get readers to come to the site. I couldn't get writers to submit to the site. I had already registered the domain. Yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't want to just waste it. So, 
so then, so podcasting was something that I had decided I wanted to get into. And I was going to, and, and you know, there's, there are all kind of writing related podcasts. And I didn't want to do what everybody else was doing, where I talked about craft or where, not, not that what you're doing is bad, but I didn't want to be just interviewing other authors all the time. Although I do interview authors on my podcast. And I find it interesting, and I think readers find it interesting. I just didn't want to do whatever I wanted. I wanted to do something that nobody else was doing, and so um, I came up with this idea. I actually stole this idea. I'm not going to lie. I stole. <laughs> I stole the idea from Podio Books. There's a there was a writer on Podio Books who years ago, uh, when Podio Books first started, had great success on Podio Books, and he came up with an idea. His name's can't think of his, I can't think of his name right now. I can think of the podcast. The podcast is called Crime Wave, W-A-V. Like, like, oh, like a, the a, wave file. file, yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't do it anymore. He quit doing it. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to submit to him. And so I, um, was, I, I started looking up a way to submit to him. I couldn't find a way to submit to him. So I thought, well, if nobody's doing it anymore, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You picked up the torch, yeah. I picked up, yeah, yeah. I, picked up the, I picked up the torch. And now I'm running with it. But um, yeah, so that's how that came about. The idea has been very successful. The podcast has gotten me in contact with a lot of other writers. I've tried to do other things with the podcast to help because my whole idea with the podcast is it helps me, but it helps them too. It gets an, it gets an audience for people that didn't that don't have an audience or that have an audience but could always use more. And and the idea was the same with the with the original idea for the with the uh, anthology. The idea was always you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I'll, I'll, you know, you bring your readers to the site, and they'll they'll meet new people. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll meet new readers, new writers, and then because there's room, there's you know, nobody has to be greedy with their readers. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of room for everybody. So, <laughs> so that was the idea, and and it's and that part of it's worked beautifully. But I've also tried to do things like I thought a good idea would be to start a newsletter that that um, when you come to the website to listen to the podcast, you can sign up for the newsletter. And if you sign up for the newsletter, then um, whenever one of the other writers is doing something like has a new release coming out or has been interviewed on a podcast like yours, for example, or has a guest post on somebody's blog or anything like that that they want to promote, that they you know, or if they're doing a public appearance, that I can put that in the newsletter – and and you know and readers then who are you know listeners who have a favorite writer they can follow their career through the newsletter but nobody is signing up for the newsletter i'm getting thousands and thousands of people downloading the podcast every day and they've heard about the newsletter through the podcast and nobody wants to sign up for it so you never know what's going to be popular and what's not going to be popular i'm just lucky that the podcast has been as popular as it is it's such a unique idea really i i wanted it to be another another there's another podcast that I thought was interesting was um, the Fogland podcast. Oh, I yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. That Kibbert's people so, did that, I thought, yeah. Right, and one of the stories that I wrote for my podcast was actually a story that I wrote for the, the Fogland podcast, and I submitted it to them, and I waited months and months and never heard back. So apparently that just withered on the vine and and went away, and and they're not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I rewrote that story and, and turned it into one of the episodes of my podcast. At least you always said finding ways to repurpose your uh, stories if necessary. So that's yeah, so yeah, yeah. And 
And any other writers out there who are listening to this that want to, to submit to a story to the podcast, it's um, uh, thrillsandmystery.com. You just go to there and go to click on the podcast link, and you'll see all the podcasts there. If you want to listen to a few, get an idea of whether or not you're appropriate for it. You can also go to submissions.thrillsandmystery.com and read up on what the submission guidelines are. But it's really – I try I make it as simple as I can for anybody. If you have a short piece – it, and if it's a little bit long, we can serialize it. We can do it in two or three segments. And if it's too short, you can submit two or three pieces and make one episode. So I, I try to make that as simple as possible. And if, if you want to read it yourself, that's fine. If you have a friend that's a narrator and you want to get them to read it, that's fine. Or if all else fails, I'll read it. I read most of them. And I try to do it with voices and music. I, I, I add music into it. The music is all through Incompetech.com. A website where all the music is written by a guy named Kevin McLeod, and it's all free license, royalty free. Yeah, it's all royalty free music. So, yeah, that's what. But the podcast has been, it's been a lot of fun. It's starting to overwhelm me though because I'm, I, I, I have, I'm, I'm scheduling for for season three right now. I'm in the middle of season two, and there's like ten weeks uh, left of season two, and then there'll be a little break, and then there'll be twenty weeks of season three. So I'm exactly halfway through to the end of season three now because I've got all of season one, which was 20 episodes, um, half of season two, which is going to be 20 episodes, and then I still have a whole halfway to go. So when I look backwards at where it started and realize I have just exactly that far to go, <laughs> I realize how much time I am investing in this thing. So after season three, there will still be a podcast, but it will no longer be weekly and there will no longer be seasons. It's going to be monthly and it's just going to be one episode every month. Yeah, it seems like it'll be easier for you to manage too, especially <laughs> if you're doing most of the reading. Because that was the one thing that yeah. uh, kind of stopped me because I, I could read my own story and make it interesting. So that's kind of cool that you have, offer the option that you'll read it and make it interesting and add music and all that cool stuff. So, Yeah, I mean, I have I have a lot of theater experience too. I, I've, I did stand-up comedy for a while and I've uh, been in local theater a lot and I've made some commercials and stuff. So I... I understand the dramatic reading. I you know how that how, how it works and everything. A little bit of a repertoire of characters. Although if a story has too many female characters, it gets <laughs> kind of challenging. Yeah, I start giving them accents. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that actually would be a pretty good place for somebody who wants to be an audiobook narrator or is trying to break into that business. It'd be a good way to get build up the portfolio by on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if so, yeah. If there's somebody out there wanting to become a, a narrator, um, contact me. And <laughs> I'll let you read one of these stories. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. And, and for anyone listening, um, uh, if you're listening to this on, a, on my website, I will have links to all this stuff on there too. So um, I have a Twitter. I have two Twitters. I have um, uh, 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 Gamut Man, which is a, a name that I use everywhere. My my books all say uh, like my books all all the paperback versions of them and the and the ebook have an imprint in them called it says the Gamut and uh, I'm, I'm Gamut Man everywhere. So like. Uh, a th- Tumblr and uh, you, you know every place I'm 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 Gamut Man on all these websites, but um, I do have a a, a personal Facebook, and, but uh, there's a, a a Facebook for the Lupus Schwartz series. My my personal Facebook I own I don't accept people unless I know who they are, mm-hmm. so I don't I don't really I don't really have an author like that, but I uh, website like that, but I do have uh, my, my my book series does have a. Uh, Facebook page, and and I post on there every once in a while, and um, people can contact me through it. And then there's uh, like Twitter is Gamut Man. There's also TNM Podcast, 
at TNM Podcast on Twitter, which is for the for the podcast. And um, writers, if you're if you're a writer and uh, you have a Twitter account and you friend TNM Podcast, and it says that you're a writer on your page, uh, TNM Podcast will friend you back. And then I, anytime that you post something that is promotional, send me a message and let me know, and I'll hype it. I'll, I'll promote it back. And, I, and uh, so uh, my my whole point, everything that I do I, uh, with um, the, the blog, uh, which is um, Lupus Schwartz Mysteries blogspot.com um, everything I do through the blog and for the uh, uh, podcast and everything uh, I, I try and Twitter I try to promote other indie writers as much as possible I, I, I believe in giving back that way as much as possible because I, I, I know I need people to help me well I want to thank you very much then uh, Dave for coming on the show sharing about your your uh, books and your podcast so it was nice uh, talking to you thanks uh, nice talking to you too Alan Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. You can visit our site at get.thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for more information on our podcasts. And you can also subscribe to this podcast uh, on your favorite podcatcher like iTunes, the most popular one, of course. Uh, Just search for Meet the Thriller Author and you'll find me there. And I'm also on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash meet thriller author love to hear from you love to hear comments and your feedbacks on the shows and i'll have a new podcast a new interview with a thriller author uh, i'll be posting them every tuesday so stay tuned for that and don't forget to subscribe and please visit my author website at alanpeterson.com <laughs>